In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello everyone, welcome to After Advent. This is Mark Wheeler. We've been starting After Advent by saying the Lord's Prayer. And that's natural enough, right? The Lord's Prayer was given to us by Jesus himself. In Catholic communities, we pray this prayer all of the time. In Mass, whenever we pray the Rosary, really whenever we pray any kind of prayer with any repetition in it, usually the Our Father is repeated a few times. But I'd like to dig a little deeper into the Our Father and how it impacts the way that we should live today. It's called the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer, and I really like how uh, many communities call it the Our Father. It starts with Our Father. At the time, the people of Israel had understood God as Yahweh, and the Jewish uh, Bible has a rich history and a rich compendium of different names for God. They have Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides, Elohim, Almighty God. The Psalms and poetic literature also indicate that God was the father of the nation of Israel. He was their creator, their protector, he was their shepherd, and had many paternal characteristics for the people of Israel. But anybody familiar with the Old Testament knows that of all of the prayers in the Old Testament, there is something profoundly strange about this new prayer that Jesus prays. Jesus not only implies, but demands an intimacy with God. And maybe demands is a wrong word, but he demonstrates an intimacy with God that no psalmist or prophet has ever demonstrated before. He says, our Father, our Abba, our Daddy. Now, he doesn't even say my Father, which would be entirely appropriate, seeing that he is the only begotten Son of God. That is a title that he had from the foundation of the world and the beginning of existence. That would be strange enough and entirely outside of the tradition of the Old Testament. But no, he says our Father, our Daddy. He uses inclusive, intimate language that invites the hearers into that relationship with the Father. And if you remember the context in which this prayer was prayed, it was right after the disciples asked, Master, teach us how to pray. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. That should still make us a little uncomfortable. We ought to be constantly aware of the fact that God has called us into an intimacy with himself that is so far beyond anything we could possibly hope for, imagine, or in any case deserve. Jesus revealed that we are sons of God in much the same way that Jesus is the Son of God. If you look at the beginning of the book of Matthew, it starts out with a long genealogy of... For the Jewish hearers, this would indicate that this person, this king is going to continue the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Whenever you see a genealogy in scripture, it's showing that 
this person, the story that's about to follow, is caught up in the salvation history that God has wrought from the start. That maybe there'll be a new covenant, there certainly will be new promises and new encounters with God, but it's showing that Jesus continues in the line of Moses, of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. One glaring difference, though, that you'll notice is that Jesus isn't actually related to the line of David. Now, those of you who are uh, listening may go, okay, yeah, so what? Except for, I think he actually is, so what are you even talking about? If you look at the line of David, um, or if you look at the genealogy at the beginning of Matthew, it shows the genealogy of Joseph, the carpenter. Joseph, the one who married Mary. Joseph, who was not Jesus's biological father by any means, which is very curious if you think about it, because all of the Old Testament promises were that a king would come from the line of King David, of which Joseph was, but Jesus was not naturally coming from the line of David. What this demonstrates is that the story of Jesus would happen by adoption. Jesus was adopted into the human family. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, was adopted into the human family, into the line of David, into St. Joseph's own line, so that we could be adopted into God's family. First time I heard that totally blew my mind. We see that sort of parody a lot in scripture, so it shouldn't surprise us that we see it here, but that God himself not only would condescend to being born a human, but also condescend to not even be a naturally born legitimate sign of David's line and need to be adopted into that family. What shame. Actually, it's perfect because it shows and sets up the relationship that God has with us in this new covenant, namely that we would become adopted sons of God. And just as Jesus was every bit a son of Joseph because of his adoption and every bit part of the line of King David according to the promise of God, so too we are now made perfectly legitimate heirs of God by nature of our adoption in Christ into God. It's dense, it's complicated, it's a little strange, but it's totally the truth. And it's awesome. Jesus has revealed through the Our Father that we are sons of God. In very much the same way that Jesus is the Son of God, by nature of us being grafted into the body of Christ, which is Jesus, which is the Son of God. Again, crazy, very complicated, very awesome. And as a consequence, we have that divine, intimate relationship with the Father that Jesus has. In this life, right now, as a consequence of living after Advent, after Jesus came, and being brought into that family of God. St. Paul echoes this repeatedly, saying that we are co-heirs of the kingdom of God and with Christ. And that Jesus, going first, would have many brothers and sisters. That means that not only are you working on your salvation as we head towards heaven, not only are we brought into right relationship with the Lord, 
Not only does God offer his mercy and his salvation to us, he offers us his friendship, but even more than that, he offers us his kinship. Just like in the story of the prodigal son, Jesus throws open the entire household to us, puts a robe on our backs, a ring on our fingers, slaughters the fattened calf, which is his own body and blood, and celebrates the fact that we have returned. We are part of the family of God, and we have a right to the kingdom of God by nature of our baptism, our adoption into Christ, and being co-heirs with him. We are part of the royalty of heaven. We are princes and princesses in this life and in the life to come. That our brother and our father are divine and that the brothers and sisters that have gone before us are now united with that divinity in heaven should shape our entire identity and should profoundly impact the way we live our lives here on earth. We are pilgrims, that's true. We do struggle at times, that is also true. But somehow at the same time, in this season of after Advent, and yet somehow not quite living the entirety of the kingdom of God, but still existing within the kingdom of God, we are also kings and heirs and more than conquerors. Now, I intended to go a bit further with this reflection and talk about family life and our impact in uh, domestic affairs, in our role of mentoring others, that sort of thing. And I still will uh, in a couple of weeks. But I think that that's a good place to stop. I think that it's a good place to consider the fact that we are made heirs on par with Jesus in heaven. We're made co-heirs co-heirs not heirs after jesus but co-heirs with christ this is not to displace christ at all this is not to put him down because he is our lord our master and our savior still but scripture is very very clear that we are also co-heirs with christ of heaven scripture also indicates that one day we will be the judges of angels we will be given positions of power and authority in heaven we have brothers and sisters who have already gone to heaven, who have already seen Christ as he is face to face. And as St. Paul says, we don't know what we'll be like, but we will see him face to face, which means they have already been transformed into whatever we will be when we get to heaven. They are seated in the authority that God has given them. They are intercessing for us here on earth. They are church triumphant in heaven. We should remember that we have their prayers. They have our backs. We should be asking them for their help. And we should also remember that even though we go through temptations and trials in this life, that they are so beneath us. They are so beneath us. Why? Because we are princes of heaven. We are royalty. And whatever these small road bumps that come in our way, whatever these minute challenges, however large they seem, are but phantoms compared to what we will be in heaven. Why? Co-heirs with Christ. Say it with me. Co-heirs with Christ. To be a co-heir with Christ in union with God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, means that there is no end to our power. Now, let's remember, we are also totally at God's mercy. We are totally reliant on the Spirit. But I think that's part of the nature of Christ. 
Jesus was totally reliant on the Father. Jesus was totally reliant on the Holy Spirit. That's part of the nature of being the human and being a human perfect. And I think it reflects part of the vulnerable nature of God. To consequently be all-powerful and at the same time all-needy. Now, we have a huge heaping helping of feeling all-needy all of the time while here on earth. Totally get it. I'm there too. But I think that we can also remember that because of what Christ has done for us, because of being invited into the family of God, we also are all-powerful. Not on our own power, but on the power of God who is within us. This week, do some reflecting on the areas in which you feel weak as a practical point. Think about it. What are the areas that we struggle in? How are we letting ourselves down? What areas do we need to ask others to pray for us, whether the saints here on earth, the living militant church, or the saints in heaven, the church triumphant? Compare the things that we struggle with with our identity in God with our identity as heirs of the kingdom. And try to, in those moments, get yourself into that mindset. Wake up in the morning. Think about how you are royalty. Think about how God is the one who's going to empower you today. Think about the challenges that will come, not with the panic that we can often have while thinking about them. I can start to get panicked right now even thinking about that. It's a superpower of mine but instead remembering that God is there with us, that God is there protecting us, that God is there empowering us, and that because of Christ's redeeming work on the cross and inviting us into relationship with God, and that relationship by nature being adoption, we are also made co-heirs with Christ, princes of heaven, with the saints and the angels' prayers surrounding us, because God is our Almighty Father and the Spirit is power within us, we are actually already more than conquerors of those things. And if we haven't done so recently, give some prayers of thanksgiving to God for being invited into that family, for humbling himself to be adopted into our human family, so to adopt us into his divine family. It is a huge gift, far greater than we can possibly conceive of or imagine in this life, but we should still be like that leper that came back to Christ and say, thank you. We'll wrap up in the Memorare. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to you for protection, sought your intercession, or implored you for help was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, my mother. Before you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us at After Advent. Hope that you have a fantastic next couple of weeks. Invite a friend to listen if this is being a blessing to you. And I will see you later.